When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to another Buckeye Talk. And you should know that we just cut off Ari Wasserman at the start of a grilled cheese rant and said, save it for the podcast. Because last week's chicken finger garbage discussion was so popular we want to make sure we bring you the best of Ari Wasserman food stories. So that is ahead. But the main idea of Buckeye Talk today is a spring game preview. The spring game Saturday at 1230 Ohio Stadium. It's only going to be 84,000 people instead of 100,000 because they're, what, fixing some seats or something? I don't know what they're doing. I, the, fixing some kind of coating on the C deck on the east side of the stadium. Like I think they're just like painting. I don't know. Okay, Bill will be up there on Saturday investigating what's going yeah, on. It's with a the good slideshow of inside the renovations. People like seeing Ohio Stadium changing, but I don't think anything's changing. I think they're just. I don't think it's going to look making it look a little bit better yeah. or coating it. You could take a stuff. photo of every seat that's being painted and do like a sixteen thousand slide how, slideshow. How can we spend another five hundred thousand dollars? <laughs> Let's coat the seats. <laughs> um, so we're going to talk about that. We want to talk about like the guys we want to watch. The spring game is always like one of those where the veterans maybe don't play as much, but it's a chance for a lot of the second teamers, the young guys, to do some stuff. Um, so we're going to set you up for Saturday. And, of course, then on Saturday, make sure you come back to Cleveland.com and read everything we wrote. Bill Landis, Ari Wasserman, Doug Maurice, your Cleveland.com Ohio State coverage team. So we didn't really talk about before this like what we want to say about the spring game. We've been doing videos all week of the position groups, the guys we really want to see, um, the guys we're curious about. So let's just go with this. The number one overall dude that should play a lot, that we're expecting to see on the field, that you want to watch, that you want to watch and write about, the number one overall guy out of any position group, who's the most interesting guy at the spring game? There's one that just popped right into my head, and I don't think that either. Three of us haven't thought about the answer to that question. I think it's a pretty deep question. But should I just fire off the name that immediately came to my head by fire. listening to that? Yeah. Dante Booker. I like it. Go. Why? It's um, a good one. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of things that you want to see from Dante Booker. I mean... Bill is the master of trying to figure out his position. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm the master of telling him he sucks, apparently. Um, know what I meant. But just somebody who had beaten out Jerome Baker last year in the preseason and was scheduled and set to be Ohio State starter, suffered an injury, and then all of a sudden Jerome Baker turned into what seems to be like a potential future draft pick. And you have to ask yourself, what did Dante Booker do and what did he look like to beat out Jerome Baker? So he's a year um, more advanced People say he's more athletic. He's dropped some weight to play outside linebacker. I think we all assumed before spring that he'd be in the middle, right? Mm-hmm. So the fact that he's playing outside, I think, indicates some sort of athleticism. <clears throat> the fact that he's come back from injury has re-established himself as a starter and is playing outside, I think, gives 
uh, us a lot to watch, especially because I think he has to gain some experience, and they might use the spring game to allow him to do that. I picked Dante Booker to lead the team in tackles last year. Like, that's what we thought about Dante Booker before the year. Like, the way Chris Worley went nuts, you know, obviously Jerome Baker's the guy who filled in for him, but Jerome was a bit of a younger guy. Worley and Booker were basically in the same spot of being sort of veteran guys who had waited their turn. We saw what Worley did, which is become the heartbeat of the defense. I mean, that could have been Dante Booker. Dante Booker could have been step for step doing everything Chris Worley did. And the way you look at Ohio State's defense right now, like you can't imagine it without Chris Worley. So I think that's that's like what's on the table for Dante Booker here. For sure. And I think under normal circumstances, he wouldn't be playing a lot in the spring game. They have six healthy linebackers, six healthy scholarship linebackers. Who knows how many walk-ons they have in that position. That's a really low number for a game that you don't want to play your your, your top guys and potentially get them hurt. You're going to play four quarters. You have six healthy linebackers. Like Dante Booker could potentially play a lot. And the reason why I picked Dante Booker is because of the potential to play a lot. Yeah. And it's a weird situation because he spent last year injured, but they have low scholarship numbers and they want to get him experience. How do you balance the the idea of let's get him as much, as much experience in Ohio Stadium as possible, but he's also recovering from injuries, so we don't want to beat him up. So the reason that is the case with the linebackers is because Malik Harrison and Bryant Browning are hurt. Baron Browning. Bryant Browning was an offensive wow. lineman from Glenville. That is, that is, I think that might be the first time that I've done that. That is going to happen a hundred times. I love Bryant Browning. Oh, wow. I didn't even realize that. Bryant Browning had a great smile. One time I did a story about Bryant Browning. I remember I was waiting outside um, the Fawcett Center after Jim Tressel did his luncheon radio show, and he would come out and take a little golf cart, and he would have someone wait. No, he drove his own golf cart. There would be a golf cart there. He would get in the golf cart and drive across the street to the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. So if you caught him at the right time, you could just see like Jim Tressel driving a golf cart. Like I mean, it's like a tenth of a mile, but you have to go across a busy road. And I waited for him out there because I wanted to ask him like one question about Bryant Browning. He was talking about Bryant Browning's laugh and how you can hear it echoing through the locker room. And I thought, what a great quote by Jim Tressel. Anyway, Baron Browning. <laughs> Bryant Browning and Chimdi Chekwa have a barbecue restaurant in Columbus now. And I'm going to go to their barbecue restaurant by the what? way. What? Yeah, they've had it for like a year. They have a barbecue restaurant. They were good friends. They were roommates in college. They have a barbecue restaurant in Columbus, and I want to do a story. There's a bunch of businesses that have opened recently from recently graduated Ohio State guys, and that's on my list of barbecue stuff to go to, and I'm going to expense that. And I'm not sure I'm inviting you guys to go. Wow. Do you want to go? I just drooled on my own floor. Do you want to go? Should we go to that? Where is it? Is the question, do you want to go eat barbecue? Yes, of course. Okay. Where is it? I don't know. It doesn't matter. I'll drive to Kentucky. I don't care where it is. (laughs) Yeah. but who else is coming? Are there other other linebackers? Who are the other linebackers in this class that aren't here yet? That are going to be here in the fall? Pete Werner. Pete Werner. He's the only one, I think, right? He's the okay. only one, yeah. So yeah. I looked at Bill's like, uh... <laughs> so, I always forget his name because they're recruiting a guy named Peyton Wilson, and I get yeah. the two of them. They're the same person. Yeah. And he was a late ad because you guys would never forget Antoine Simmons. And yeah. he like replaced Antoine yeah. Simmons in the class and was not in the class for very long before signing day. So... There's six scholarship linebackers who are healthy to play in this game, two injured and one coming. So nine linebackers, nine scholarship linebackers is enough. It's just sort of the way things have gone for this spring. And then, again, like, Worley probably isn't going to play that much. Baker's probably not going to play that much. 
So we're probably going to see. I think Booker playing a lot makes sense. Well, but they have to play because there's three linebackers on each team. The thing that I wonder is like, like you want to get a good look at Chris Worley at middle linebacker. And they were practicing all spring and they have an entire summer too. But like, how how much of a look do they want at Chris Worley at middle linebacker in this game? I don't know. I mean, like, I think they've probably seen it. Yeah. But I don't know. The other thing is like, I don't know who the Feta and Berger are of this linebacker group. That like Craig Feta and Joe Berger were walk-ons who earned scholarships who ended up being special teams guys and who would play and who, like, in a game like this would play a lot. I have no idea. So I don't know who the next group of, like, walk-ons who we could see a lot are going to be. Um, okay, so, yeah, Dante Booker's big, but, like, um, we did this linebacker thing the other day. I'm, we didn't say this guy, but I'm really interested in Keandre Jones, too. Like, this guy, couldn't this guy be awesome? Yeah, I think so. He's He is behind... Jerome Baker, I believe, at the moment. And it doesn't matter. The thing about the outside linebacker spots, as I learned this spring from Jerome Baker, is that they're basically the same thing. They're both expected did to we, cover slot wide receivers. They cover different areas of the field, but their duties are basically the same. Did we go down the list of the six that are going to be playing, the six linebackers? Why, is there more than six? I just, I, I there might not be, but I just like read a few names, and I don't know if we're forgetting people. Chris Worley, Jerome Baker, Dante Booker. Tuff Borland, Justin Hilliard, Keandre Jones. Nick Connor? Hurt. Okay. Sorry for ruining the podcast for 10 seconds. Okay. All right. That's it for Buckeye Talk. <laughs> no, I, sorry. I, sometimes I ruin the momentum. I need to work on that. Um, but I think uh, – But okay, we talked about this in the video a little bit. Again, go to Cleveland.com. We've been doing these videos about each position group. When we pick a guy in each position group, we're really curious about – Let's jump like super far ahead because we have some NFL draft stuff coming up we have to do. Chris Worley's a senior. Jerome Baker, as a true junior, certainly is a candidate for the NFL draft just because anybody who's a junior at Ohio State and is good might go. And Jerome Baker, I mean, I don't I have no idea, but it's like if you told me a year from now, like when this when this 2017 season ends, if it's like, oh Jerome Baker, he's Projected as like a top 50 pick, like maybe like late first round, certainly a second rounder. I could see that. Yeah. 100%. Did you guys ever think that there was a chance he might leave after last year? No, he's a true junior. Sorry, for some reason I thought he was a redshirt. But like, I thought that like people thought that he was a draft prospect in the middle of his first year last year. Am I making that up? I have no idea. I mean, I don't know. I don't know that there was a lot of talk about it because he was only his first year as a starter and only a second year player. But I mean, he's a very athletic coverage linebacker. I mean, like every coverage smaller linebacker in Ohio State history is going to be compared to Darren Lee now. But I mean, like that guy is fast. He's smart. He can cover. He can tackle. He's and I thought aggressive. he made plays right away. Like it didn't take him time to you know get comfortable. I thought that, that was a good thing to to put on his resume. So he could definitely go right, and then yeah. Booker. So Booker is now a he'll be a fourth year junior. He's a fourth year junior. And it's one of those things again like if he has the year that he wants to have, he could come back for a fifth year, but like sort of under the Noah Brown scheme of things, like the I've been through a season ending injury, I don't want to take any risks. He might be graduated, who knows. He could go. So there's only one senior in the starting linebackers, but there's certainly we could be looking at three new linebackers a year from now, which is why Malik Harrison, Baron Browning, who's not going to play, Keandre Jones, all these guys are Justin Hilliard, yeah, super important because we could be looking at turnover 
all three of them. Yeah, it's thing. I'm so mad. Well, not maybe yeah, mad's the right word. I Who really, I really wish that Malik Harrison and Brian Browning were playing. I think those guys would be so exciting to watch. Malik, you know, I have a man crush on Malik Harrison. I've had that since he arrived. And uh, sort of envisioned him like a Jabril Peppers. It's hard hard name to say. Jabril Peppers type. Um, and then Browning, to come in and rep a middle linebacker, I think. And he's a five-star prospect. Everyone knew he was good. But to come in and sort of – he was like the backup middle linebacker immediately when he arrived here in spring. He was at least on even footing with Justin Hilliard. That, to me, is like screams of a guy who, who would have been really exciting to watch in the spring game. And I'm, I'm pretty bummed that both those guys aren't playing. Let's stay on defense. Here's a guy who I'm really looking forward to in the secondary that I think could be out there almost the entire game. Jordan Fuller. Yeah, he. We. I don't know what his deal is. He was in an orange jersey at the Student Come Appreciation on, Day practice. I'm, yeah, I'm just putting it out there. Like, I know that. Yeah. All right, but, but I like Jordan Fuller. Um, he can cover. I think he's rangy. I mean, it's one of those things. It's like. We're now, everybody's used to this, listen. If you, you weren't used to it before, but you're really getting used to it now in this world where guys are starting and leaving, starting and leaving, starting and leaving. Malik Hooker and Marshawn Latimer were barely here, and now they might be top 10 picks. Um, who's Malik Hooker? And I, like nobody's Malik Hooker, but boy, did we see what a difference a playmaking sideline-to-sideline safety can be. And You mean in the secondary or just the next one and done? No, I mean, I mean, I'm talk- particularly talking about at that position in this Ohio State defense. You get the corners locked up in man-to-man, and then you put a safety in the middle who can run sideline to sideline, and anything that's in the air for more than a second, this guy might go intercept. That is, that changes an entire defense, and you can't expect anybody to be like Malik Hooker was. But it seems like if Damon Webb is still the starting safety at the the safety spot that is more like the slot corner cover spot than the rangy sideline-to-sideline guy. That's where Jordan Fuller is now. That could be Jordan Fuller or Eric Smith. And I think athletically, Jordan Fuller, what he is, he's a little bit of a bigger guy, was a huge recruit, would certainly have the potential to be a playmaker back there in terms of, you want to throw a deep ball? Okay, let's see if Jordan Fuller can pull a Malik Hooker and go do what he did to Deshaun Watson in the Orange Bowl and pull a, a touchdown out of a guy's hand. Like, I'm curious to see if Jordan Fuller can make plays like that if he actually plays Saturday. Yeah, I am too. And I think to answer the question that Ari answered at the beginning, like who's like the one guy you're most interested in seeing, It's for me it's like that spot. But I think I'm more interested in seeing Eric Smith than I am in Jordan Fuller because I think I may be thinking about Eric Smith kind of in the same way I was thinking about Dante Booker thinking that Dante Booker wasn't athletic enough to play an outside linebacker spot and be on the same level as Jerome Baker. In my head, Eric Smith is not that kind of rangy safety who can start on the hash and run to the pylon and make an interception the way Malik Hooker could. But he's repping in that spot. like He's not He's not at the other spot where Damon Webb is, as far as we know. And maybe that our, my perception, and I don't know if you guys view him the same way, of Eric Smith could be a little off just because we haven't really seen him play that much at safety. We've seen him on special teams. I don't know if we've seen him take a snap at safety in a game, in a meaningful snap at safety in a game in his career, have we? No, not like, really. It's been like mop-up stuff on special teams. He was like, when, when it's, it's just funny how things work. When Tyus Powell and Von Bell were the starting safeties for a national championship team, and nobody knew who Malik Hooker was, um, they, it was, I remember like, 
when Bell and Powell hear it sort of being like, well, if one of us got hurt, Eric Smith is ready to play. Eric mm-hmm. Smith could play right now. And nobody was talking about Malik Hooker, and then Malik Hooker exploded, and Eric Smith was hurt. So Eric Smith is ready for this. But again, it's one of – so Tyus Powell played the Malik Hooker spot before Malik Hooker. Tyus Powell wasn't Malik Hooker because nobody in college football is Malik Hooker. But guess what Tyus Powell did for two years? Make important plays for this secondary a lot. And he's in the NFL. So, like, Eric Smith doesn't have to be Malik Hooker or Jordan Fuller doesn't have to be because nobody can be that. But that is still a position where because you're not locked up in man-to-man coverage, you're the freest guy in the secondary. You've got to make some plays. Tyvis Powell made them. Malik Hooker made more. But I'm, whoever that is, someone's got to do it. And someone will, but who's it going to be? But do you think maybe that – because I, I, I think if all three of us were to describe Eric Smith, like we might describe him as like a thumper. I 100% a, a agree with what you safety. were saying. That's exactly what I think in my wrong? head. Yeah, I think it's possible that we're wrong. I Here's what I get trapped in, and I think fans get trapped in this, partly because the media gets trapped in it. Guy comes in, huge recruit, right? When you get here and you're a huge recruit and that recruiting stuff is the freshest thing in your mind, you think about talent. You think about this guy's got, this guy's got talent. This guy's an athlete. Then he doesn't start for a year or two, and the next recruit comes behind him. And whether it's because he's just waiting his turn or he's hurt – by the time you get to year three and you're a veteran who hasn't played, a switch flips in my head that I no longer think of you as a talented athlete. I think of right. you as like a steady guy who's waited his turn and just like does things right but maybe isn't It's a because you can't get past the mental block of, well, if they were as dynamic physically as I thought they were, they would have played by now, even though that's not how it works because the people before them were just as talented. So like – Eric Smith and Jordan Fuller were like the same guy coming in. But Eric Smith is a little bit older, so in my head, I've now made it. Eric Smith is a solid, steady guy we know can get the job done. But Jordan Fuller, he's a freak. And there's really no basis for that. And if everything would have been the same and you flipped them, then you would think that about Eric Smith. Because nobody was going to play ahead of Malik Hooker. So it's like Eric Smith is like, okay, well, we think this way about him. And the only thing is he's older, so he had – and he got a little bit hurt, so he had more of a I mean, I think that that's also part of it. I don't think we can ignore the fact that he had to repair his ACL tear. But I think but I think, well, the way we think about Eric Smith and the way we think about Dante Booker is the exact same thing. And both of them are guys who waited and got hurt. This Booker had – yeah, I agree with you. This doesn't mean anything because we know recruiting rankings are arbitrary a little bit, a lot of it. Jordan Fuller was the number 131 overall player in his recruiting class. Eric Smith was 66. I can't remember. There was also some flash with Jordan Fuller. I don't mean to inter- interrupt you, no, but no, no, I do no. think that, like, the New Jersey kid that Ohio State had to have and got was Jordan Fuller, and everybody was amazed by the recruitment, and I think it was flashier. No, I'm just saying, don't and forget I, no, that yeah, Eric Smith's yeah. a top 100, almost no, top yeah, I know. national yeah. player. Take me through again, because I have it flipped in my head. I can't remember which it was. When we did a million stories on Marshawn Lattimore and Eric Smith coming out of Glenville, which was the guy that was sort of like the bigger recruit early Marshawn. on, and who was the guy that kind of came up at the end, and everybody was like, oh, that guy might be just as good or even better. Marshawn was the steady better of the two for a while, and Eric Smith had a huge game in the U.S. Army All-American game, and uh, practiced very well at the end there, and people were like, holy crap, I think Eric Smith might be just as good as Marshawn. Okay. And then so, Eric like, Smith- the person who everybody thought was great, or the greatest, is the one going in the draft. And the person that was a step behind him, at least in, in recruiting 
experts' minds is now Eric Smith trying to start. Okay. Okay. Um, what do you think of this corner battle? Again, we, we, we're gonna, we actually haven't recorded the secondary one yet. Who are the most interesting corners? I'm trying to figure out who's going to play the most again in this. Like, do you think, do we think Jeffrey Okuda is going to play a ton or is Kendall Sheffield going to play a ton? We've all, I think, everyone on the beat who's been at practice at all has been impressed by Damon Arnett so far. Um, there's a lot of corners who have been rotating through. Denzel Ward is the guy with the most experience. But who are, who are the corners that are going to play a lot and have a chance to flash? I think all the young guys. I think Ward will play very little. They, I think they know what they have. They probably have seen enough of Damon Arnett that he won't play much either. Kendall Sheffield, we don't know if he's healthy. He was not dressed at the student practice last Saturday. He was there, but he was in street clothes. Um, so those are the top three guys, I think, on paper, and it's possible that Sheffield doesn't play at all and the top two play very little. So I think you're going to see a lot of Okuda, a lot of Rajay Burns, um, Sean Wade. Um, who am I forgetting there? Josh Norwood. Is anybody else in that mix? That corner? I can't remember. I think it's going to be mo- – There's so many. Yeah. I can't remember – I can't even remember everybody you just said. So You're going to see a lot of guys at corner, I think, who you've never seen before, which is good and kind of interesting because you want to know Kerry Combs is on the we're rotating train forever, which is fine, but I think you need to know that you actually have guys who are capable of doing it. If you're confident in Ward and you're pretty confident in Arnett, you need at least a third guy, and it's things that maybe Sheffield won't play. But to see those young guys, whether it's Okuda or Wade or whoever or Raji, they like Raji Burns. And I thought, I think I said this before, I thought the reason he played in the Bowling Green game is because they were just trying to get that clock rolling on his uh, eligibility. But he's like a real dude, I think. We've seen him with the second-team defense. And you said Marcus Williamson, right? I did not say Marcus Williamson. I forgot someone. He's another early-enrolled freshman. So it's going to be a lot of it's freshmen just, and sophomores It's harder to, come, a corner. To, to keep track of all the corners when half the recruiting class was cornerbacks and yeah. all of them enrolled early. Uh, so we're still trying to... Except for but, Amir Reed. But I do think that the Kendall Sheffield thing, I think I get the sense, and we talked to Kerry a little bit about this, Bill, that they already feel he's seasoned. I don't know if he, yeah, even if he were healthy, he's I, since he's a junior college transfer who has scored a touchdown and played in an Alabama game for the Crimson Tide. I don't think he didn't that play for Alabama. He redshirted that year. He played in junior college. Somebody said that he returned a kick for a touchdown. I did. He Alabama. did in junior college. I said he was the only player oh, okay. on the team to return a kick for a touchdown in college. I okay. College. Oh, okay. I, I, I so that makes uh, sense. But I do think that doesn't change my point, though. I think that they. They view him as somebody who's been around long enough, knows what to expect out of a fall camp. Maybe yeah. they want to see how he'd perform in a place like Ohio Stadium, but I don't think that they think he needs as many reps early as a guy like Okuda would, especially if they think Okuda's going to play some this year. So what are we to make of, like, Jeffrey Okuda's supposed to be number one, right? And he was number 48 at the student practice, which has me hearkening back to when Ray Small had his number changed by Jim Tressel at we found out later the suggestion of Ted Ginn Sr. And that was because Ray Small was like not doing things off the field he was supposed to do. I'm not suggesting at all that's the case with Jeffrey Okuda. But there are little things that you can do with guys to get in their head a little bit when you're trying to send a message. And I think, I mean, these are young, these are teenagers, man. Like, numbers matter. You want a and cool 48 is number. not a cool number for a defensive back. And, we were one, like, and one is cool. Yeah. 41, 48 is probably the worst number in the history of defensive backs. Found Bell 48 for the Saints, I think. Better that doesn't help change. Better hope yeah, I'm sure Von Bell's like, oh, man, I wish I was around number 20. <laughs> but, but, like, we were, we were watching the student practice and we were like, Who's 48? <laughs> and it was like, oh, 
like the biggest recruit in the class, which is exactly probably the point why they're doing it. Right? <laughs> yeah, that, that I would yeah bet money that that yeah they got to earn number one. Even if it's something like he like messed up on one drill, they probably took number one away from him. I don't, it couldn't even admit that. I mean, there is a there is a thing at Ohio State where you kind of have to earn your the right to have a number, and it would not surprise me if an upperclassman requested it. Just a little off topic, but J.K. Dobbins is wearing number two uh, in the fall, right? Yeah, and Demario's taking and it. And Demario's taking it from him. I, I meant in the spring. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Wait, say that again. Demario McCall is taking... J.K. Dobbins' number in the fall, and right now Dobbins is wearing number two, and McCall is wearing number 30. McCall is going to be number two in the fall, and we asked McCall, what number is J.K. going to be in the fall? And he goes, man, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just one year. McCall's just one year older yeah. than yeah. J.K. Dobbins. <laughs> wow, because two is a better – I mean, I don't know. Who was two last year? Dontre? No, Dontre was – Marshawn. Marshawn was and two, Dontre. and Dontre was two. Yeah. Okay. Because Johnny just, Dixon's one, right? Because wasn't Dot right? Johnny Dixon's one this year. Yeah, because Johnny Dixon, Johnny Dixon was one. five, and then he switched with Braxton, and then he switched back. I think. Yeah. And again, and again switch is the wrong <laughs> word there. Braxton took his number, and so then Johnny Dixon finally got it back. Braxton took everybody's number for like two years. The one thing I'm wondering is like if you go back and, and if you think to yourself, what are the coolest uniforms in the history, or the coolest jersey? If you think is the Man who looked the coolest in all of football, maybe in the NFL in your lifetime. I would think like number twenty-one, Deion Sanders, mid '90s, 49ers jersey. And like, I feel like the cool numbers from the '90s are no longer the cool numbers anymore. You know, uh, like number eight's a cool number. Nobody wears number eight. That's I don't know. Like twenty-one is a cool number. Uh, Deion Sanders number, yeah. I don't well, know. Single digits are always single, single digit digits. defensive end is the coolest thing you can do in football. Uh, if, but if we're lo- like, if Okuda's losing one, which would make sense. Eric Smith wore one at Glenville, and I'm pretty sure he wore number one his freshman year for like a second, and they took it away from him and made him 34. He did wear number one his freshman year. Really? Yeah. So maybe now we're now this is called the uh, I would conspiracy have, I would theory have, version of Ohio State number carousel. I would have an hour long podcast about jersey numbers. Well, yeah, because I mean, but the single digits, right? I mean, like the yeah. Yankees, yeah. all the Yankees retired numbers are at like seventy three. It's like no. all the all the single digits. They're almost out of single digits. I yeah, think. yeah. There's uh, some cool numbers. Like thirty three used to be cool. Nobody wears thirty three. Thirty three is cool for if you're a running if you're back a linebacker or, or running back. Yeah. yeah. What's the coolest number for a receiver? I think I I, I have eighty eight. Eighty eight. Yeah. How legit is eighty eight? Double snowman? Are you yeah. kidding me? <laughs> Isn't Des Bryant eighty eight? Yeah. Yeah. Michael Irvin. Michael was 88. Irvin was eighty eight. Yeah. Um, I would definitely be 88. But that's not – like, college guys don't do that, though. And I don't even – it's not a good – like, in the NFL, I think you have to be that high. to be, like, in the – I think you have to be in the 80s to be a receiver. Um, or, like, in the teens. Yeah. In college, you can be whatever number you want. But I feel like there's not a lot of, like, big-time college receivers who go into the 80s for the number. Who are the big-time defensive ends who are single digits? In the NFL? I feel like in college it happens quite a bit. It happens uh, all the time in college, yeah. I think that's cool. Um that's the coolest thing I think you can do. Single digit, single di- digit defensive end. Like Clowney wasn't Clowney a single digit when he was at South yeah. Carolina. Ninety seven defensive end is pretty good though. Yeah, maybe that's just because Joey Bosa was awesome and made him look cool. Yeah. But. I feel so good. I was saying this the other day. Jerseys are so expensive. I feel so good for fans. They're, they're getting six years out of their ninety seven Bosa jersey. Yeah, what an investment that was. Yeah, especially because they got all all those ninety seven jerseys that said Bosa on the back on AliExpress for twenty one ninety three. Yeah. Free shipping. Yeah. That's actually that's a good story. You should write that. 
About, walk around Ohio Stadium on Saturday and talk to all the people who are getting the most bang you could possibly get for their jersey. Yeah, not only are they buying them fake, but they get the number right. Yeah. And the name right for six years. And I think you should link back to the story I wrote about the epidemic of fake Think about jerseys. all the people who bought Malik Hooker jerseys last year. Oh, well, but, but there aren't, but here's, so let's talk about jerseys for two minutes, right? But there aren't, if you have a Malik Hooker jersey, it's fake. Because Ohio it's not State's numbers, yeah. only selling, right, number one number, and the year. Yeah. So, so I noted this just briefly in this like JT Barrett story I did off student appreciation that nobody read. Last year, <laughs> everybody had 16s, which is JT Barrett. And now they're going to be selling 17s if they're doing the thing they're supposed to do. So nobody's going to be buying JT Barrett jerseys anymore, right? Yeah. And who's and Jalen Marshall used to be 17. Who's Jerome 17? Baker? Jerome Baker. It's a Jerome Baker's world this year, baby. Yeah, I think that should be a story about Jerome Baker. Everybody's going to be wearing your number. Yeah. But Jerome Baker, I did a story about Jerome Baker last year because he had his number switched because yeah. he wore his number for his late grandmother and why that was important to him. And I can't remember what the number was. Four. Four. And now he got switched to 17, but now he's going to be – now he's the year. So I, if I were a guy, I would want to be targeting my year. Like who's 18? Isn't Jonathan Cooper 18? Jonathan Cooper and Tate Martell. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I just love the third string quarterback. That's why I got this 18. I'm rocking the 18. I mean, that actually would be a response for a lot of people. Oh, he won't be there. Because you know who's 19? Who? Superman. Superman. <laughs> Superman, I think, is going to like take a double red shirt just to be able to have his. Okay, can we get to that now? I feel like I've said Superman enough in this podcast, and my Superman world came crashing down thanks to Zach Smith. I'm. Patiently waiting to go on this grilled cheese rant, so I don't know. I don't know when that's going to happen. But you can go AGW first, then I'll because I'm attacking you. So let's make it like ten minutes of pain for me. Number one is EGW Superman at H back talking to Zach Smith for the first time, and it was like, what about Eric Eric Lever Williams? I didn't even get the question in. Thank you to Eric Seeger from Eleven Warriors who got the Superman question in. He's almost on the Superman bandwagon as much as I am. And Zach Smith was like, oh, yeah, I don't know. He's got to learn how to play the position. I was like, what? They were hoping that he was going to say, I haven't seen an H-back like this since Percy Harvin. Completely brushed him off. It's totally Paris Campbell's world at H-back, and he could not have made Eric Lover Williams more of an afterthought. Yeah, I, you were standing behind me, and I was I was worried for your well-being after that happened. Um, I was pretty shocked by that. Actually. Were you? Why is everybody so shocked by that? Why did you move him there? He's a junior. I think that the entire point. I mean, I don't know. Why did you, he wasn't going to play safety? I don't know. It I just seemed know. like a bizarre answer for a guy who's been here for a while. I'm just not shocked at the notion that he's not going to play much on offense this year. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, no, I guess you're right. I mean, like they've got McCall and Campbell and, and all the other Hill. receivers and KJ Hill. Like, did you think he was going to jump over all of them, having never played the position? before? I thought they moved him to receiver because like they like something about him at receiver, and like, like Zach Smith's answer suggested that they don't. I think that sometimes people get moved around based on roster numbers only, and not based on where they think they always fit. But you, th- I mean, when I look at the roster that's coming back on this team, and you look at what Curtis Samuel did last year, and you thought about. Them filling that position, I thought, well, I don't know who it's going to be. Now, Demario McCall, okay. But Demario McCall's with the running backs this spring. He's mm-hmm. not being an H-back. I did not think to myself immediately, well, Paris Campbell's going to be that guy. I thought Eric Clever Williams had his, would definitely be in that mix as much as Paris Campbell because I assume Paris Campbell's going to be outside still. Yeah, so did I. So now, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, well, Paris Campbell's the H-back. 
Well, if you're moving Paris Campbell to H-back, then he's going to take most of those snaps. That that was not on my radar as the sure answer at H. No, and it's like, K.J. Hill's probably ahead of him too, right? And, and yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, so he's yeah. That's why I guess, like I kept like thinking like Doug, you're he's at best third. I didn't. I I'm not going to say that. Like I was like, oh yeah, Paris Campbell's definitely going to be the H back. But like I never thought for a second that Superman was going to be a major part of this offense this year. Why you got to be like that? I thought he had a chance at least. But 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 did, and, and no offense to KJ Hill, but I never KJ Hill had not done anything so far that was like, oh well, KJ Hill, it's his turn. Like the whole point of everybody at receiver who's back is. The guys who were back, because basically nobody other than Curtis Samuel really did much catching the ball last year. So if you're back as a pass catcher, I am not assuming anything about you. So that's why I was open to anybody new, whether that's a position switch, whether that's a freshman, whether it's a guy coming off a red shirt or whatever. I don't know. So if you said, well, who's going to be? It's like, I don't know. I mean, Trayvon Grimes, Jalen Harris, Eric Glover Williams, because to Austin Mack, who like basically didn't get the chance at all to play last year, Ben Victor, not the guys we've already seen, because we've seen that. And we sort of talked about this after in interviews with the receivers the other day. If your answer to, okay, everyone says the passing game needs to get better. How is the passing game going to get better? Okay, we have new coaches, and then everything else is the same guys as last year improving. I don't know that I'm sold on that solution. Same guys, they're just better. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm on that train with I mean, you. If you listen to any single podcast that we've done, I think we've all kind of universally agreed. But that that's they, what they said, but we hadn't talked to Zach Smith about it yet, and that's sort of what he said, isn't it? Right, right, but that's why I think we all agree with that sentence, the three of us, right? I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, what else is he going to say? But he's going to say that every position is open. We weren't good enough last year. I'm looking at some young guys to add some zest to this position. We need to make more plays and whoever makes plays for this team, you got to do everything else, but we need guys to make plays. So everybody knows that. And I think we got some guys in this mix who you haven't seen yet, who haven't done much so far, but have the chance to be playmakers for this team. He kind of, he didn't say the last part about the young guys, but he did. I mean, he couldn't deny it even if he wanted to. He did say that like they, they have to make plays, like they have to improve. He didn't just say that like with the added young guys are going to be moving up the ladder in front of it. Like, I think he wants to give the Terry McLaurins and K.J. Hills and Paris Campbells of the world at least a shot in the spring to show that they can do it. I, I, I think that possibly maybe get, reading a little too much into it, getting a little too fired up about it at the moment when Trayvon Grimes isn't here, Jalen Harris isn't here, Brendan White is going through a, sort of a transition, and he's a name that Zach Smith mentioned. Um, I think that if you see a lot of Terry McLaurin and Paris Campbell and K.J. Hill in the spring game, that does not necessarily mean that those are going to be the top three guys in the fall because I don't think Urban Meyer is going to let the same guys who were here last year play just because they're older. So before Ari yells at me about grilled cheese, who are the receivers we're going to see? Do you think we're going to see a lot of McLaurin and Campbell and – Hill and Johnny Dixon, some of these veteran guys. Dixon's a little bit different because he's been hurt. Are we going to see a lot of the veterans or are we going to see more of new faces? And hope, by new faces, I mean Superman. Superman. I mean, uh, the hope is that you see the new faces. I mean, we've been dying to see them. I want to see Austin. Austin Mack was mentioned in every single interview Yeah, he was, last spring, and I haven't heard his name once. It didn't come up with – yeah, it was weird. Like, it didn't even come up with Zach Smith. No, it didn't. And, like, Victor's didn't either until he was asked. I think I might have asked them specifically like about Victor. 
Those yeah. were the two starting receivers outside this year. So That's I was what I thought they were. I wasn't there the whole time for Zach Smith. Who did Zach Smith talk about of his own volition? That when it was like, oh, how are the receivers looking? You know, the kind of questions I always get asked. Oh, what's the overview of the receivers? What did he say? I think it was Paris Campbell and Terry McLaurin were two for sure that he brought up without. I don't think he brought up a lot by himself. No, he didn't. But he definitely those two guys. He definitely did. Terry McLaurin and, and Paris Campbell. Um, KJ Hill, I don't think he did, and then the other guys we had to ask specifically about before they came up. And he talked about Paris Campbell like being like looking very natural, and I think he talked to Paris Campbell a lot, looking very natural in that H back spot as a slot receiver, which makes sense to me because he never looked comfortable at all, really, at the outside receiver spot outside of blocking sometimes. Um, and then Terry McLaurin is in like a weird spot because like he was recruited by Kevin Wilson to like be the guy in Indiana's offense, and then he didn't go to Indiana; he went to Ohio State. Now Kevin Wilson's got him now. And Zach Smith talked about they're, they're drawing up some things that are putting Terry McLaurin in a better position to be a more productive receiver. And he wouldn't go super in-depth on that, but I thought that was interesting that he that he mentioned that name in that regard. That So I, I think you're going to see a lot of Terry McLaurin on Saturday. Does it? How much do we see at Ohio State, like, guys play, be healthy and play, be okay, and then get a lot better? I feel like a lot of what happens at a place like Ohio State is if you're good. You can sense it immediately. You can sort of sense it pretty quickly. And it wasn't yeah. that those receivers last year were like they're super young and we know that this is just the start. It's like they were veterans kind of last year. And now they're veterans again and nobody thinks the passing game was good and, enough last year. And I think that we see people who are in that category keep their starting positions far more than we ever see people who start for a year are okay and then get hopped. I don't think that happens ever. So it'll be interesting to see if if Ohio State does find answers in some of their younger guys and Terry McLaurin um, and K.J. Hill are just a little bit better than they were last year or the same as they were last year if they have the uh, willingness to want to hop them with some of the younger guys. I don't know if they will. That's the interesting part to me. Could you put Curtis Samuel in that category? I was just thinking that. No. Curtis Samuel is flash as a freshman, nagging injuries as a sophomore, and Braxton got moved to his position, and he should have played more as a sophomore, and he didn't. And then as a junior, he went nuts. But yeah. there was never a part during Curtis Samuel's career where Curtis Samuel had a time where he was getting a lot of opportunity, and he was healthy, and it was his spot, and he was just okay. Yeah, that's a good point. That's true. Yeah, I don't think Curtis Samuel fa- falls under that category either. Then I don't know who does. I don't know if there's any. I can't think of anyone else off the top of my head. It's like if Damon Weber to come out this year and be the best safety in college football, that would be an example, I think. Why? He was good last year. Damon Webb? Is that who you think? Yeah. But he was good. We thought he was – I mean, he was in the secondary with three first-round picks. Yeah. I mean, somebody who starts, who does okay, and then turns out to be a star is the way I interpreted interpreted that, right? Yeah, right. Okay. Terry McLaurin played last year. He was okay. He's not going to turn out to be Michael Irvin this year. Right. Okay. I got you. Like if, But, like, you can tell that Michael Thomas, when he finally started starting for Ohio State, that he had something special. Right. Right. Like, it's, it, there's not a lot of people who just are on the field, are there, don't flash, then come back next year and become the best player on the team. If you had to say who on, who on the roster has the best chance to be an all-Big Ten receiver. Hmm. I'd say Ben Victor. Ben Victor. Yeah, I mean, 
Not not anybody, Over Grimes. not anybody who has played an extended amount and has so far not proven to be an All Big Ten receiver. More of a guy who has not had the chance to show that yet. Yeah. Okay. All right. So is it National Grilled Cheese Day? Is that the deal? It is. There's a grilled cheese. People go to grilled cheese restaurants now, right? Yeah. The one Melt is a very Melt. popular one in Ohio. Yeah. Melt isn't a grilled cheese restaurant. It is a place that serves the sandwiches that make you feel disgusting. And yeah, but they build themselves as a grilled cheese restaurant. Is there cheese on everything there? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, but it's like you can get a chicken sandwich with cheese on it. I get like a buffalo chicken sandwich. With... It's not a grilled. In no way is it a grilled cheese sandwich. But if I went into Melt and said I would like a buffalo chicken sandwich, no cheese, would that be a ridiculous thing to do? If it's like I think they'd make it for you. Yeah, they'd make it for you. Because it's just like blue cheese crumble on that sandwich, so they just wouldn't put it on there. But I shouldn't even... But then why would I go there, right? Because they're going to just eat... Well, that's not... If you like the chicken, I don't know. Yeah. The chicken's good. When I think of grilled cheese, I think of two slices of bread. And my mom made it with rye, which I think is atypical. She butters both sides of the bread. Yeah. Puts it in the pan and puts in a few pieces of American cheese. And my mom knows how to make grilled cheese. I don't... I think there's a lot of ways you can get good with grilled cheese, like multiple different types of cheeses. But I think once you start putting meats and proteins on it, it kind of changes what a grilled cheese is to me. Grilled cheese is a cheese sandwich that's grilled that you put into tomato soup. But what is what is the most common cheese? American, American cheese. American? 100%. American. American? American? Yeah. Because you can buy those American slices. Yeah. And I don't know if the cheddar slices come like that. They come like in the Kraft American. Kraft singles. And that's yeah. what people, I think. With yeah. the little plastic. Yes. Uh-huh. Have you ever made yourself a grilled cheese yes. sandwich with the plastic still no. on the cheese? I've eaten cheese with oh, the plastic that. still on it. No, I'm just I've kidding. done that. Does, what happens to the plastic? Does it get all bubbly? Yeah, yeah, it just like melts and like ruin the grilled cheese maker. Yeah. For real, did you eat it? Uh, no, I like saw it smoking and was wondering what was happening, and then I realized I left the plastic on the cheese. That's embarrassing. Yeah. Well. All right. So you want to so, so, yell at me about so, grilled cheese? We Doug don't. says he doesn't like grilled cheese. Explain to them why you don't like grilled cheese. Because I'm not really a cheese guy. Um, the only way, like I would never eat like a piece of cheese. I don't eat a piece of cheese. I don't get cheese on a hamburger. Uh, the only cheese I eat is like cheese on pizza and I love pizza and that, do you get cheese, like shredded cheese on your salads? Uh, I, I, if, if it's like, do you have a dislike of cheese? Would you say? Yes. I don't like cheese. You would say that. I would say I like Parmesan grated on a salad. Okay. But here's another thing. Is it, oh, isn't it okay to like. To, to, but I would never eat like a big hunk of Parmesan. I don't – I would never – I don't want the cheese to be the, the number one flavor in anything. Maybe as a kind of an addition to something. But like the best thing about pizza to me is the sauce, not the cheese. Wow. Well, here's my thing. That's a hot thing. There are so many people – and I wrote this down. Wait. We're going to turn the computer toward you. There are so many people who say they don't like cheese but they are not committed enough to that take – to punt on pizza. And it bothers me. I don't understand it. Pizza is melted. You love deep dish pizza? Have you ever bit into a Giordano's slice? The only thing you're eating is the thick layer of cheese. That no. is the overwhelming flavor of that dish. And that's like your favorite thing in the earth. I don't know how you can not like cheese but love pizza. It boggles my mind. But the one thing is, I don't like... Like the over cheesiness, like I'll sort of pull off some of the cheese if it's over cheesed. But also, that's mozzarella cheese. People are not going around making mozzarella cheese sandwiches. I think it's okay to like a different kind of cheese. I don't want a big, like, 
hunk of like American cheese on something. I, I know people who say I don't like melted cheese. I don't like cheese, and then they smash pizza like it's not there, and it just doesn't. And it doesn't make sense to me. And I get that there's different types of cheeses, and that a lot of cheese tastes differently. But I think the overall, whenever I eat cheese, is like the melted flavor of it. Like it's not necessarily well. This is just this is American, and this is cheddar. This, I love these things because. I just like the way that the cheese melts and the texture it adds to the dish. You don't have and an I, advanced cheese palate. Like you don't like. The I mean, I, I enjoy like pepper jack, and I like different types of cheese. And if there's a cheese tray at a party, I'll eat cheese. I like grilled cheese. I like cheese on pizza. I like cheese on my hamburger. Everybody likes cheese. I like the cheese whiz they put on the Philly cheesesteaks. I get I get cheesesteaks, no cheese. But I just cheese don't understand. I just I don't get the disconnect between that and cheese pizza. I've never understood that. It's weird to me. If somebody gave you a grilled cheese sandwich that was two pieces of bread and melted mozzarella cheese, would you eat it? No. So it's not just that you have a distaste for American cheese. You just don't like – is it the consistency of it? Like it grosses you out? I mean it doesn't gross me out, but I would not enjoy it. I don't think I would enjoy it. So I just – I don't understand the disconnect between the I like a good, flavorful – Tomato sauce with like some seasoning in it and stuff. Like, and then again, which again, now the thing I feel like the way that you could have gotten me is you talked about like because people eat grilled cheese and tomato soup, right? You dip your grilled cheese in tomato yeah. soup. I mean, when you dip a dip a grilled cheese in tomato soup, does it taste like pizza? It turns into pizza. You're no, I mean, making a it pizza, tastes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so what is it? So it's the. Tomato I also the don't t- like tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want tomato soup or grilled cheese, but I would eat. I ate eight slices of pizza last night for dinner. Would you eat eight? white? Was, I, it like, was it chocolate pizza on the I, way home? I got actually. I got eight. I only ate six. Would you eat white pizza? pizza? Definitely not. Because I think it's fit. Like if like the sauce were olive oil. Yeah, I love white pizza. It's really good. You yeah. would not eat that. No way in heck. So you're saying so basically, if we like peel back all the layers of your cheese premise, you're saying that the flavorness, the flavorfulness of the Tomato sauce on pizza is far more is so much tastier than everything else on it that it outweighs the negatives of cheese. Yeah, like I would eat like a crust tomato with tomato on it. Yeah, only that, but not hunks of tomato like tomato sauce. Yeah, yeah, but like a breadstick dipped in tomato sauce, like a pizza breadstick dipped. I just in sauce. you can't. Oh, yeah. that's the best. But you can't eat pizza and cheese. not feel the cheese. So that's why I get. No, have you ever had like it. a good East Coast tomato pie? It's just like a like a thicker Sicilian yeah. style crust, and then like a tomato spread on top. No cheese. Right. It's cold. Plus, I basically eat cheese on everything, so I don't understand how you can't like it. But it's also one of the things that's sort of like, well, would I? It's like, would I eat like a pizza with no sauce, or would I eat a pizza with no cheese? It's like, I mean, I don't know. Like, I guess I would, but it's like. Am I living in a world where like cheese and, and sauce like can't go together anymore? Like, <laughs> well, I'm just trying to figure out how you can just shove aside a very unpopular opinion, and just say tomato sauces. That I love tomato sauce that much that it makes the cheat the thing that I don't like eating tolerable now, and not just tolerable. Pizza is your favorite food, right? The, right. the main ingredient in your favorite food ever that we drive out of our way for on road trips is cheese. I guess the question is, is cheese really the main ingredient in pizza? Yes. I would disagree with that. I mean, I, I, well, here's where I think the main so, ingredient in pizza is, which is part of my problem with like Midwest pizza. The main ingredient in pizza Gross. is dough. dough. Yeah, I know, that I know. is that's Philly talk right yeah. there. The main ingredient in everything is the bread dough thing that holds whatever else is there. 
So the, the dough and the sauce are like the two things you can actually change the flavor of, I think. I don't know how much you can change the flavor of mozzarella cheese as long as it's not garbage cheese. I don't know. Like, we ordered a five-cheese Wisconsin from Domino's, yeah. and I love that pizza specifically because of the flavor of the cheese. Yeah, but that's like – that's. that's I'm just saying, like, I don't I, think that we can ignore that cheese is a major – But I'm out on that. I don't I, – like, yeah. I was here when you ordered that, and like that – I don't really want that. It's almost like not even pizza. It's just cheese bread. Yeah. Don't you sometimes get pizza and I've you never, also get cheese bread? I've never bread? ordered from Domino's without ordering cheese bread with it, ever. Because I'm not an idiot. I did it the other night. You got mad at me. I thought it, I, I thought it was a blunder. Yeah. But it's like, but, but that, again, it's like, here's a main meal of dough, sauce, and cheese. And you never you eat the enjoy. cheese bread, do you? But why would I eat the cheese? Why would I eat cheese bread? Because the cheese bread actually tastes better than the pizza at Domino's. That's true. That's facts. I disagree with that. Did you have you when you go to Pizza Hut? Do you get the cheese sticks or is it always breadsticks? Always breadsticks. Never cheese. Never, Never cheese. Once. Okay. It's just a strange thing to me that you've got a lot of, and I didn't really notice. I didn't pick up all these things, but I think it's strange that your favorite food is dominated by the thing you don't like. And I and I will say that to anybody who doesn't like cheese, but because I've never met anybody. I would respect you if you said you didn't like cheese and I don't like pizza because of it. But that's good. but does anybody in America not like pizza? No. I think it's the same thing. So does anybody in America not like cheese? I don't understand. There are a lot of people who don't like cheese. Right. I, think. I know, and they yeah. all smash pizza, and I and that's my rant for the day. Yeah, people who are lactose intolerant, I think, even still like pizza. Do you like macaroni and cheese? I do not. All right, you're earning some respect back. Yeah, <laughs> like you, Kraft macaroni and cheese does not sound good to you. Totally out. Like I would drink bad. it. I don't even want to <laughs> chew it. It's so good. I think it's gross. Macaroni and cheese is incredible. All right, macaroni and cheese is good. I think craft macaroni and cheese is gross. I'm going to do a Twitter poll on you are, what you are too picky of an eater, and you're too weird of an eater. <laughs> what is the main ingredient in pizza? Crust, tomato. I mean, sauce, I, I'm not disagreeing cheese. with you. I think crust is the main ingredient. Actually, it's love. <laughs> crust is the main ingredient, but I don't think. It, but it is dominated from the taste is dominated a lot of times by the cheese, and the cheese is the thing that is the most. Has the most texture in your mouth. I feel like it's the most notable, noticeable. Can, can thing. I say something else here? Mm-hmm. This is my I what I won't eat pizza undercooked pizza, like when the cheese is not really melted. Yeah, I like the cheese to be brown, like to have like that it's yeah cooked like it's changed color a little bit, like pizza where the cheese is like bright white. And like you can see some of like that the, the individual, individual mozzarella yeah. strands. I'm out on that. And you like pull your piece slice off, and like you just pull crust and sauce, and the cheese stays in the box. Yes. Yeah. Out. Totally out on that. I don't want that. I when I order pizza in my hometown at the place where there's like a 90 year old Italian guy who's been there since I was in elementary school, and I say like brown on top, and they cook it like two extra minutes, and then that makes it perfect. Yeah, we always. Back home, we always order pizza well done for that reason. But I like well done crust too. Yeah, you get a little little char on the crust. Make sure the cheese is done right. Get a little bu- some bubbles. Which in the is crust. why it's also kind of strange that your favorite pizza is the fold type of pizza. Mm-hmm. The triangle fold eat while you're walking in New York pizza is the type of pizza that Doug likes the most. And I also think that it's possible that those are the cheesiest slices. Like if you get a Massey's pizza with pepperoni on it and it's thin crust and it's cut into squares, there's not nearly as much cheese on that pizza as there would be on the one that you like more. 
My but head's exploding. I've let some of that. She sometimes you could have so much cheese. I'll just let like a whole like a third of the cheese of that slice is like fall off because it's like the ratio's off. What a crime! It's all about ratio. A lot of food is about ratio. I think it's not just about individual ingredients. I just I, there aren't a lot of foods out there that I really don't like. Like I'm not a picky eater. I'll eat whatever. But if there is a main ingredient or a very dominant ingredient of something that I don't like in a food, I don't like that food. So I don't understand what you're saying. And that's my rant for the day. Okay. All right. So we'll be at the spring game on that was, Saturday. That was a lot of cheese talk. I feel like we didn't talk about half the things we should have talked about with the football team. How long did it go? The cheese talk was a solid 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody been, likes over, pizza, do you think we overdid it? I don't know. Last week's podcast was so good, and now I think we're like in our own heads. People – We're trying to figure out the ratio like in yes. food between Ohio State football talk and other things. But like there's a lot of things about Doug that annoy me, and I like attacking him on the air. I think that, I think that makes for good podcasting though. There, but there has never been – we have never had a greater reception to anything than we've had to our talk about the chicken finger in the trash can was the most popular thing we've ever done in 75 episodes of Buckeye Talk. And so now yeah, we're like it's also repulsive. reaching to uh, recreate that a little bit. Yeah. Um, go to cleveland.com, find our videos. We break down every position group. Um, are there any offensive line guys, offensive line writer Bill Landis, that we're really super curious about? I mean, like who? Well, the right guard spot, yeah. And I don't know. We're going to be talking to Urban Meyer about a half hour after we finish this. Demetrius Knox was not at the practice for the Student Appreciation Day, but as far as we know, he was in like one or like one A in the battle for right guard. So I'm interested to see what comes out of that spot with him and Matthew Burrell and Malcolm Pridgen. If I were to say pick one guy to watch, Pridgen, I think, and I mentioned this before, is the one who interests me the most because he can play guard and tackle. We've never seen him play before. We've seen a little bit of Burrow, at least in spring games, and we've seen Knox home against Clemson, and Pridgen we've never seen play a snap at Ohio State. So he's the guy that I'll be watching the most, I think. And I think we all know kind of where we all stand on the quarterbacks, right? Do you want to do a quick breakdown? Quarterbacks, JT's probably not going to play that much. You're going to get the backup battle between Joe Burrow and Dwayne Haskins, and both of those guys, I think, are probably going to play at least two quarters each against each other, Yeah, I would assume. Maybe so you're more. Gonna, but yeah. Maybe even more, and you'll get a really good chance of seeing that, and then maybe you'll get a little bit of Tate Martell there at the end. But I think... You guys already know, and everybody knows about what we're looking for in the quarterbacks. We want to see which one of the backups really steps up and looks like the future. Yeah, and I just—it's it's just not as important to mention. It's going to be hard. I think I'm curious to see how often the defensive line is like in the backfield because I think it could be a day because the defensive line goes like ten deep or whatever. Yeah, um, it's possible. And, and as much as like I think I'm, I'm interested like in Tate Martell making broken plays, but really with the quarterbacks, I want to see timing. I want to see routes and timing and in rhythm. And because we saw a little bit of JT Barrett when stuff would break down, okay, then what? That was almost when they were most effective last year. That's when they could get the ball down the field at all. If this passing game is going to work, it has to work in rhythm with guys running good routes, getting open, and JT Barrett letting it go yeah, no when hesitation. it's supposed to be let it go. So if Draymond Jones and Nick Bosa and Michael Hill and Sam Hubbard and Tyquan Lewis are in the quarterback's grill the whole day on Saturday because the defensive line is that much ahead of the offensive line. It's going to be hard for any of that rhythm and timing to work. So I'm curious to see. I mean, that's not going to be good for anybody. I mean, they can make some stuff happen with the spring game if they want to. I don't know if they'd say, like, they just tell 
Sam Hubbard, Nick Bosa, Tyquan Lewis, and Jalen Holmes to go sit in the stands for a while. But they've got to let this passing game try to get a rhythm because that's what they need to see. And because that's the number one thing this team needs to do to work in the fall. Don't they have a rule in the Pro Bowl where you can only rush four guys? I feel like that, that like actually might be on the table. Like rush two guys? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, so that's what we need to see. I mean, like this, this passing game thing is not going anywhere. Like this is going to be, you know, the one thing that we thought I th- at the open practice, they were running some cross, some routes where like the outside receiver and the slot guys would cross each other and they were running some outs into the end zone with some tight ends that worked pretty well. Yeah. So that's the route I would watch is like Luke Farrell and Marcus Boss hurt this spring, but Luke Farrell and Jake Hausman and AJ Alexander, um, once they get in the red zone, running an out toward the pylon and these, these quarterbacks get a little touch on the ball and maybe trying to get a little bit of like those pick plays going a little bit, which seemed to be, again, when you did the initial Kevin Wilson breakdown, aren't those some of those routes? He's really good at like all the talk last year was about the receivers not getting separation, not getting open enough for JT to feel comfortable throwing the ball. And like Wilson's thing is whether it's rub routes, crossing routes, whatever, he's really good at getting guys open. So that's, yeah, that's what I'd be looking for. Okay. Cleveland.com slash OSU. Again, videos all week. More stories previewing the spring game. Um, after the spring game on Saturday, 1230 kickoff, we'll have like defensive observations, offensive observations. We'll get to talk afterward with Urban Meyer and some of the stars of that game. Um, and then uh, maybe some, we might think we might get assistant coaches like for a wrap-up next week. Um, Hopefully. But... This is it, and then we're going to bring you some draft stuff. We still are going to do uh, more before the draft at the end of this month. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore, Willie Cooker, Garyon Conley, Raquan McMillan, Curtis Samuel, a lot of interesting guys in the draft. We'll have more coming on that where we think they could go, um, some bigger stories hopefully. So uh, thanks as always for listening to Buckeye Talk. Um, you can follow Ari on Twitter at Ari Wasserman. Bill is at BillLandis25. I'm at Dougley Maurice. And uh, is that it? Do you, anything else you want to yell at me about before we go? I don't know if I've I don't know if I've uh, if I accept your answer or not. I'll let you know okay. next week on next week's Buckeye Talk. Feel free to uh, tweet uh, to Ari in support of uh, his cheese stance. Feel free to rip me. The one thing I will say is I think if you're a loyal, we have a theory that there's 1,500 of you that listen every time we post one, and 500 of you who come and go, and we're around 2,000. If you're a loyal listener. Feel free to voice your opinion on the ratio between football and cheese. Because it would be good to kind of narrow in on like how long we should be going. Did you love that 15 minutes? Were you waiting for it to end? Your feedback is taken into account, and then we use it on future Buckeye Talks. So I think we encourage you to let us know what you think. Ratio is important yep. with pizza with, and with podcasts. Right. Um, all right. Thanks for listening, everybody. That was Buckeye Talk.